welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is sponsored by Upspring Baby, a company making innovative science-backed products for moms and babies. And I want to tell you about one of their products in particular, because even though I'm not even currently pregnant or have teeny babies, it's been really helpful to me. I really like their stomach settle nausea relief drops, which are great for any kind of stomach upset from motion sickness, which I get and a couple of my daughters get, to morning sickness, which I thankfully do not have right now because I'm not pregnant, but any kind of bloating or digestive upset at all. I love to keep these on hand and my kids like them too. They help relieve nausea, motion sickness, gas, bloating, and any kind of digestive upset. In fact, I keep these in my car and my kind of like emergency kit in each of my cars and also in my purse just to have on hand because tummy aches can be a thing when out and on the go. Their lemon ginger honey flavored stomach settle drops contain not just one, but three natural remedies for digestive upset, ginger, spearmint, and lemon. Plus they contain vitamin B6 to help relieve occasional nausea, motion sickness, gas, and bloating. Their ingredients are micronized, meaning that they provide faster act- acting relief, and they've been really helpful, like I said, especially for motion sickness. They're in- individually wrapped, so they're great for on the go, and I was able to negotiate a discount just for you. You can check this out at upspringbaby.com forward slash pages forward slash wellness mama, and the code wellness10 saves you 10%. So that's U P S P R I N G B A B Y.com forward slash pages forward slash wellness mama, all one word, and use the code wellness, all lowercase wellness 10 to save 10%. This podcast is sponsored by Jigsaw Health, my source for magnesium. You probably know if you've read my blog that magnesium is responsible for over 300 biochemical reactions in the body. It impacts blood pressure, metabolism, immune function, and many other aspects of health, including hormones. It's known as the master mineral, and it's one of the few supplements I take regularly. And I have found a specific way to take it that works best for me in very specific forms because magnesium is taken in the wrong way. It can lead to digestive upset, or if it's taken too quickly, it can cause all kinds of problems. So I take two supplements, one called Mag SRT, which is a slow release form of dimagnesium malate. The slow release technology makes it easier on the digestive system, so I don't get any of the digestive disturbance that comes with some forms of magnesium. I take this form in the morning and at lunch, so two capsules with breakfast, two capsules with lunch, and at night I take a different product called Mag Soothe, which is magnesium glycinate, which is magnesium bound with the amino acid glycine to help sleep. And in combination, I notice the biggest effect from those two particular products. You can check them both out and save by going to jigsawhealth.com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness 10 will give you $10 off any order. So again, that's J-I-G-S-A-W health.com jigsawhealth.com forward slash wellness mama, all one word and the code wellness 10, all lowercase gives you $10 off. Hello and welcome to the wellness mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com, and I'm here today with Simon Chang, who is the founder and CEO of Peak Tea. His own story is pretty fascinating. He went through a decade of health issues, which left him with really severe things like staples in his lungs and celebrating his 30th birthday with a tube of antibiotics directly into his heart valve. And he said enough is enough and took control of his health and has been studying all areas of health since then 
and has made a complete recovery. He now owns Peak Tea, which is the culmination of everything he's learned about medicinal plants and also things like breath work and all of the modalities that come into play with that. If you're not familiar with Peak Tea, it's one of my favorites. It's a cold brew crystallized tea that is linked to better gut health. There are teas for stress and for sustained energy throughout the day. Uh, Simon earned his undergraduate and master's degrees from Harvard and Stanford and is the youngest member of the Harvard School of Public Health Nutrition Roundtable. He's also an educated Taoist healer, a tea master, a Qigong and Tai Chi practitioner and teacher, and shares today about a lot of his personal and research-backed theories for improving not just lifespan, but health span and overall health. So with that, let's join Simon. Simon, welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. It's a huge pleasure. I'm excited for our conversation, and I actually want to jump in with a conversation or a question I sometimes ask in the middle or toward the end of an interview, but I think it's going to be a great springboard for us today, which is what are a few things that people don't know or understand about your area of expertise, which also is, of course, a great intro to your area of expertise. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So... There are a couple of things, and I think that these, you know, concepts really form the foundation of um, everything that we do at PT with regards to our product development, as well as our content strategy and everything that we're trying to do um, with our mission. So the first one is that, you know, some of you may know I was born in Hong Kong and grew up there until I was in my late teens. Um, And Hong Kong was recently ranked number one in life expectancy um, by the UN um, in their last set of statistics that was launched in 2016. So number one in the world, um, and I think at various times it's always been in the top 10. And I think that's a very, very interesting thing because a lot of people study the blue zones, which um, are these famous areas of, of um, populations of centenarians. Many of them like Okinawa, Sardinia, um, are places that are islands um, where people can enjoy fresh ocean air, abundant sunshine, um, a fairly relaxed lifestyle. You know, on the contrary, Hong Kong is um, a very, very kind of bustling financial center, very high GDP per capita, very little space, a lot of pollution. I think that's something quite interesting that we can delve into a bit more. Um, the second thing is, you know, really with regard to tea uh, and tea consumption habits in, in, in the Western world um, and, and in the U.S., which is actually not a, uh, a predominantly coffee drinking population. So tea really requires a drinking in adequate um, amount and in quantity to unlock any sort of physical um, health benefits. And as you may know, um, Katie, tea has always been linked with meditation and mindfulness practices and breath work. And uh, this is the other side of, of the benefits that tea brings. And it's, it's kind of a metaphysical one, you know, call it mental, psychological, spiritual, um, but it requires drinking tea consciously um, and this is something that we can delve more into as well. Um, and it's directly linked to the active ingredients in tea, catechins, L-theanine, and caffeine, the combination of the three. And finally, this is the last thing, and this is kind of a deeper topic, but the foundation of, of our mission and kind of our belief system is that tea really provides kind of a gateway to, to higher consciousness, the kind of um, a window to, to your soul or the universe. And happy to, to discuss that a bit more. And I think these are three things that people don't really know a whole lot about with regard to tea and certainly what we do. 
I love that. I think um, I'd love to start with detoxification a little bit more because, well, I think for one, there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to detoxification and what that actually means and then ways we can support it that are evidence-based. And of course, I think there's a tremendous amount of evidence on both different kinds of teas and then different herbs that are used in teas for that. But um, let's start with your approach to detoxification and what people need to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is directly tied into the understanding of life expectancy and of health and wellness in general. Um, So my approach to detoxification is really about detoxification of environmental toxins. I know this is a topic that you're very interested in, um, and I love the the products that you've launched through wellness. Uh, You know, my my approach to detoxification is is really taking a five-sensory approach. This is something that I've been practicing for a long time. It's really kind of the synthesis and and distillation of a lot of practices I've noticed in other kind of health experts, healers, meditation experts, you know, kind of plant-based doctors and and, and, and practitioners um, also, you know, roughly follow, right? And, And the idea is that consciousness is something that's very intangible for a lot of people. And we can make that tangible by approaching it from this five sensory approach. So just on a very basic level, smell, right? That's one of the five senses. We're constantly surrounded by a barrage of um, air deodorizers, uh, air fresheners, Christmas trees hanging in in Ubers, um, people using Febreze or or deodorizers in their home, um, skincare products that have a lot of fragrance, cleaning products that have a lot of fragrance. And to develop kind of greater consciousness towards these, you know, the chemicals and and other toxins that are in the air, whether it's paint fumes, one simply has to expose themselves to fresh air, right? So waking up and opening the window, sitting outdoors, going into the forest and the woods, spending time in nature. The more you do that, the more conscious you become of what clean, pure air smells like. The same thing goes for reducing the use of harmful products in your life. Um, And another one would be, uh, you know, would be taste, right? That's an obvious one where if you're eating fast food and, and, you know, Cheetos all day long, you're not really going to be able to appreciate or differentiate when you see, you know, something from the farmer's market that's five days old or three days old, right? Or, Or a week old or a piece of fish that's been frozen and thawed, you know, three times versus that's fresh out of the ocean. So really, it's about, again, developing that level of consciousness through very accessible ways that you can do step by step. Um, The same goes for touch, right? I mean, I know a lot of people that use sunblock and foundation every day they go out, every every day of their lives they've been using it. Um, They wear 100% synthetic fibers, uh, toxic dyes. Uh, Your skin can't breathe, right? So what if you stop using these products and start wearing more natural fibers like cotton or wool or cashmere? Um, you will start developing a level of consciousness that is completely different. You'll understand what it feels like for your skin to actually breathe. And, uh, you know, the same things goes go for sight and sound. Um, ultimately, where we want to get to is a, is a situation where you're lead, leading life naturally. Um, you're kind of, you know, what we call union with nature. So you're, you're using natural products, you're wearing natural fibers, and you're slowly kind of eliminating the noise and the pollution and the environmental toxins that we're surrounded by. So, you know, compare that, what we, the life that we normally live with breathing fresh air and having moments of silence and closing your eyes. It's a, it's a, it's, you know, kind of the working towards that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think like all of those factors that you mentioned, they're easy to underestimate because we may not feel the immediate impact of the fibers in our clothing or in things in household cleaners or in our skincare. But over time, those do have such a dramatic impact. That's been an area for, of research for me as well. And, and like you mentioned, the reason I even started developing certain products that are especially typically contaminated. Um, and I think often we don't realize that impact until we do take those things away and then notice how much better we feel. Um, and then also, of course, support the body and its natural detoxification pathways in the ways that you mentioned. And I know we've touched on this before, but you are a big proponent of breathwork. And this is something I've been trying to dial in in my own life. Um, I feel like I've got the diet and lifestyle stuff pretty well dialed in, but um, stress and sleep are still areas where I can definitely improve. And so I've been experimenting with different forms of breathwork to try to optimize both of those. So I'd love to hear about your breathwork practices and the ways that this is linked to better health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, if detoxification and elimination of noise and distraction is this gradual path of, you know, from the extreme of fast food to the other extreme of, you know, kind of farmer's market fare, you can then also draw the same, you know, trajectory, right, from sight. So if you're constantly, you know, watching TV or, or have a lot of distractions, some people, you know, won't watch TV or, or don't read, but they will actually just like to people watch, right? So suppose you take that to the extreme of just looking out at nature or looking, what about looking at a, at a white wall? Or what about just closing your eyes? That's a step-by-step trajectory towards a mindfulness practice, right? And so the same thing goes for fresh air. If you start having fresh air and, and not having any toxins in your, in your surroundings, then you'll actually start noticing your breathing more. And the same thing goes for sounds, right? It's like the sounds of TV or the sounds of, you know, hip hop music or rock music that, that can be, you know, offensive or violent. What about just silence? Nothing, right? And, and this is not any sort of meditation practice. Like this, this is just really getting, walking the path towards higher consciousness, right? Just by doing these things, you're already so far along the path of, of mindfulness practice and breath work, uh, you know, well ahead of, of potentially anyone that's like, oh, I do, you know, TM or, you know, I do pranayama or, you know, I do Wim Hof method or, or, you know, in my case, I do medicinal breath work, which is a Qigong-based method. You've already gone so far down this road um, that subsequently what, what pursues after is simply a breathing technique, right? So all the things I just mentioned, those different techniques are, are different, you know, methods of breathing controlling your breath, um, but you have so far immersed yourself already in a mindfulness practice, the, the breathing technique comes very easily. Um, and so I'll delve in a little bit about, about medicinal breath work, which is the technique that I use. Uh, it's, it's based on traditional Chinese medicine. Um, it's a Taoist practice, and it's based on the concept of energy or qi in your body, right? And so it's completely physiological. This is the difference. It's not a spiritual practice. It's not meant for enlightenment. It's not meant for, you know, this, this, this not meant for any sort of kind of metaphysical goal, so to speak. However, the physiological process is really kind of based on the, the, the concept that in your body, there's either tension, which is equals blockage, or there's relaxation, which equals, you know, unblockage, free, free flow of energy. So for those of you who have done cupping or acupuncture or needles, a lot of this stuff is actually meant for unblocking blockages, right? So your energy can flow freely. 
Now with Qigong um, medicinal breath work, you simply concentrate your intent. It's very similar to pranayama, which is a yogi practice. You focus your intent um, during your breathing on a specific part of your body. It's called the Dantian, which is also the sacral chakra in yoga. It's kind of like an inch or two below your, your navel. Uh, and you concentrate your, your intent there because that's meant to be the regulator or the kind of engine of your body's energy. So if you focus the energy there, it will redistribute energy throughout your entire body, into your organs, into your limbs, into your brain, um, through the meridians, right? Through the, 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 the way the meridians are mapped through the acupuncture maps. And so imagine there's a series of rivers and streams and tributaries in your body and these are all have been mapped out for you know at least 2,000 years, right? They're very well established how the energy flows, and so you're really just recycling, kickstarting, if you will, like a turbocharger, the circulation of energy through these meridians. And so it's completely physiological. The great thing is that if you practice this well, then a lot of um, kind of metaphysical benefits ensue, and those are some of the things that people meditate on a spiritual basis to achieve. Got it. That makes sense. And um, yeah, I think I love that you mentioned silence because I think that's something that is in short supply in the modern world. I, For moms, especially just understandably with small kids, but even short of just family, the normal family dynamics, which often don't lead to silence. I think many of us are just in the habit of always having on music or TV or a podcast, if many people listening to this may have on. And you're right. I think there's something beautiful in the silence. And also, if it's something you're not used to, it can actually, there can be discomfort in that silence for a while until you learn to be silent and still with yourself. Um, And, you know, many cultures have some form of this. And I think we don't do a great job of this in the modern world a lot of times. But so many cultures have some practice involving that silence and the stillness and being able to sit with one's own self in comfort. And I think this is a perfect springboard into talking about awareness, which is another big topic for you that you touched on briefly uh, and something that I know is a big part of your life. So walk us through that and how how you cultivate this in your life. Absolutely. So for me, awareness and consciousness are, are really the same thing. Um, and, and it's really based on the concept that everything that you need is already inside, meaning that you have the ability to heal yourself. Um, if you listen to your body and you have the the ability already inside of you to realize your potential in whatever way and form that might take. And the challenges that we face um, is really one of not being able to hear that or see that. And that's due to a lack of awareness and lack of consciousness and call that the noise or the environmental toxins, whatever name you want to give it. It's it's the thing that kind of stands between us and, and our true nature, right? And so becoming aware of that is, is really something that I try to help every single one of our customers, um, as well as every single person on our team, everyone that I meet, do in, in some way or form. And obviously the, the tea that we make is a, is a huge part of that. Chemically, the tea has, has different compounds, you know, alpine, caffeine, polyphenols, that work in combination with each other to produce a very specific state of mind of heightened uh, awareness and alertness that is also calm and, and relaxed. There's nothing like it um, out there. And so this going back to what I said earlier, when many people drink tea, they do it on the go, you know, they're driving, they're watching TV, they're whatever, listening to a podcast or working. In those 
instances, you cannot actually feel, you cannot be aware or conscious of the effects these things, these, these you know, biochemical compounds are having on you, right? Alphenine is a very calming compound. It induces alpha activity in the brain. Polyphenols actually are an antioxidant compound leading to, you know, immune support, greater sense of vitality. It makes you feel healthy. The caffeine in tea is extremely different. Uh, it's bound to the catechin compounds. It's bound to the polyphenols, making it harder for your body to digest and, and break down. So there's a time release of the caffeine. Therefore, the energy, the caffeine impact is a, is a, is a more gradual one, right? And more gradual meaning that it lasts longer, three to four hours, and also doesn't need you to have a crash where you're tired after. So the combination of these sensations, if you don't kind of perceive with a level of consciousness, and it's not hard to do that, you know, you can sit somewhere and just look outside your window and just feel the sensations. It's hard for tea to do its job from that kind of metaphysical point of view, right? And so that's kind of our concept of awareness and something that we help everyone try to experience through the tea and through you know, mindfulness practices. I love that those two are, um, that you talk about how to really combine those two. And I think it would be great to go into some specifics about, now that we've talked about the consciousness and the mental side, about the physical and physiological benefits of teas as well, because they certainly are well-documented, well-studied, and used throughout the world in various ways. And so um, I'd love to just hit you with some kind of somewhat rapid fire questions related to different types of tea. Um, right now, I'm a big fan of the sun goddess matcha that you guys have. I've been trying to alternate and not drink coffee every day. And so I do green tea most days instead. And so talk about that specifically. I know a lot of people are familiar with the idea of green tea being healthy, but uh, matcha goes kind of above and beyond and then yours goes even above and beyond that. So walk us through the benefits of this. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a very special product that we made recognizing a need in the market for something that was extremely high quality and yet pure, right? So one of the interesting things about matcha is that it obviously originates from Japan. It's a huge part of ceremonial tea ceremony culture and also meditation culture in Japan. So these in temples, their schools of tea ceremony. It's very traditional is what I'm trying to say. And in the traditional approach to matcha, there is not a great deal of concern for organic agricultural practices in the purity of the matcha. They're more interested in a appearance and a taste, right? And so the, the appearance and taste and kind of, you know, all of the quality parameters of matcha have been established through these traditional approaches, right? So what, what we have come to know is ceremonial grade matcha. That's like the highest grade of matcha. Um, but like I said, a lot of these temples and schools of tea ceremony, they don't care if the matcha is organic or not. And so that was the struggle that I had is that, you know, I love matcha. It's, it's tremendous for, for meditation and mindfulness because it's very high in health need. But I couldn't get a pure source of it, right? Um, there's very, very little organic ceremonial green matcha out there. And so we developed one uh, in partnership with a 10th degree tea master. So they're only about 13 in the world. This gentleman is in his 50s and probably took the better half of his life to get this level of, of certification. Um, and, we, and we obtained our tea from a very special source at the southernmost tip of Japan. It's in an area called um, Kagoshima. So it's next to Okinawa, which is one of the blue zones. So very, very far away from the industrial pollution in Japan. And it's, it's extremely pure. It's actually right next to the first national park that was designated in Japan. 
So growing in the mountains, there's, there's simply no need for use of pesticides because it's so cool um, and, and it's you know, mountainous. So there isn't a lot of pesticide drift issues. So you know, some of you may not be familiar, but in Japan, a lot of the agricultural land is very, very closely plotted together to increase space efficiency. Um, and what happens when one farm uses pesticides is that it will drift over and pollute all the neighboring farms. So you can avoid this problem by having a tea farm in the mountain. So of course, there's a much lower amount of supply, right? So it's, it's scarcer. Um, and then second, it's it's blended by this 10th degree tea master. So it's it's at a, at a very high level of kind of ceremonial grade quality from all the different parameters of taste, of color, of you know, froth, um, how the, the, the mouthfeel and the texture. Um, and then we've also uh, quadrupled toxin screens. So all of our products are triple toxin screened uh, for heavy metals, pesticides, and toxic mold. Uh, we've gone one step further with this matcha to also screen for radioactive isotopes, uh, being particularly concerned because the matchas from Japan, there was a nuclear incident in Japan um, that they have you know, recovered from very well, um, but there are still customers with concerns about it. Um, and so there's there's the uh, there's a very very high level of screening. Um, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, you know, our matcha is also shaded for a very long period with kind of natural, um, you know, kind of a, a, a bamboo plant fiber shade. Uh, so this is kind of going a little bit into the mechanics of how matcha is made. Matcha is shaded. That's primarily how it's different than all other teas. Um, and the shading actually inhibits photosynthesis and leads the matcha to develop higher levels of chlorophyll, as well as L-theanine, which is the amino acid um, that, that leads to, you know, great alpha activity in the brain. Um, and, and something that matcha is valued for, both from a taste point of view, as well as from a health benefit I'm so glad you brought up the testing because I get a lot of questions related to that, especially the heavy metals, which of course have become more of a concern in recent years. And I know that you guys, like you said, you test for that. Um, I know some people also really worry about fluoride in tea because of the ability of tea plants to absorb fluoride from the soil. Is this something you guys test for as well? Yes, we definitely test for fluoride, um, you know, especially the sun goddess matcha is something that we test for. And it, it is indeed true that a lot of um, tea has a tendency to, to sequester toxins from the earth. Um, it's one of those plants. And so the, the, the source that you get it from is, is you know, paramount, uh, which is why we go through such great lens to find pure sources of it. Makes sense. Got it. So I'd love to now talk about some of the other types of teas and how they can be used to support the body in various ways. I know that you guys have a huge assortment now, and I'm going to have some specific questions related to how each of those can be used, but walk us through some of the other types of teas that are available, especially from you guys, and how those can be implemented as part of this kind of whole body approach. Absolutely. So we, we have a um, tea drinking protocol that we recommend to people and, and Black teas are generally recommended for the mornings. Um, black tea has a lower concentration of catechins. Catechins are actually green tea antioxidants. Black tea has a whole different set of antioxidants called theoflavins. It's what actually gives black tea its color. Um, but as a result of that, the caffeine from black tea actually sets on faster. So for those of you who are looking for an energy charge in the morning, um, black tea is, is really fantastic for that. Furthermore, the theoflavins in black tea uh, are very supportive of, uh, of the gut biome. 
Um, and this is something that when you wake up in the morning and you haven't eaten much or you're drinking tea on an empty stomach, uh, black tea is tends to be much more um, suitable for those kind of instances of consumption. In the afternoon, we generally recommend green tea. And so with black tea, we have, you know, English practice or gray, um, you know, a, a whole range of different black teas. Uh, in the afternoons is when we generally recommend people drink green teas. Uh, that's kind of the after lunch hour you've eaten. There might be a little bit of sluggishness from digesting the meal. Um, green tea is generally fantastic for aiding digestive um, processes um, of kind of facilitating your, your metabolic system and also providing you with that energy that will last through the afternoon. Uh, and then at night, we have a range of different herbal teas, rooibos, um, you know, hibiscus, we have a ginger tea. We also have a, a mushroom tea reishi. All these are fantastic in the evening because it provides you with different types of plant polyphenols. So we believe in drinking the rainbow as much as eating the rainbow. Um, and in the evening, you can you know, kind of access the benefits of these different plant polyphenols and also help relax you and then prepare you for, um, for a, a night of, of, of rest. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of reishi at night for sleep, and I definitely see a difference in my sleep when I consume reishi. Um, I, I love that point about drinking the rainbow, not just eating the rainbow, and it's such a great solution. Uh, when I hear from people who don't say that they, they don't like plain water, and so I think tea is a great, like pretty much non-caloric way to change up the taste of water and, and get a whole lot of benefits without it being uh, a lot of the other products that are geared towards people who don't like the taste of water that have a lot of ingredients most of us try to avoid. Um, so I think it's a great so, uh, solution there. A question I'm getting a lot with the increase in popularity of various types of fast, whether it be intermittent fasting, water fasting, et cetera, is how tea can fit into a, a fasting protocol. And if consuming tea without anything added to it breaks the fast or not. Yes, absolutely. So this is, um, fasting is, is an area of tremendous interest and kind of um, focus for us. It's actually one of our three health pillars, along with gut health um, and consciousness. We've developed a set of teas with um, Dr. Jason Fung, um, who is a nephrologist and kind of one of the leading experts on intermittent fasting. He's actually a clinical doctor, so he's helped thousands of people uh, reap the benefits of, of fasting. Um, it's just really, really amazing work he's done. He has consistently recommended tea for, for years and years now to his patients, um, specifically for their fast, um, because it tends to help um, manage hunger pangs, uh, provide satiety, so provide a sense of fullness, um, as well as support the different um, kind of fasting goals and fasting pet benefits that people are, are interested in. Whether it breaks a fast or not is an interesting question. It technically, you know, by definition, and this is something that Dr. Fung will tell you as well, they, they do break a fast by definition, right? Because, you know, even on, on a very kind of, you know, trace level, there could be, and I'm talking like maybe in the low single digits of calories, right? So technically speaking, yes, any sort of caloric intake will break a fast. Um, but the thing is, is that it's in such a small quantity the, the impact, right, of the, of the calories and, and the benefits are so overwhelmingly um, outnumber that this kind of minuscule downside, which is really a technical one, that generally speaking, net-net, um, people are far better off um, using tea for their fast than, than not. And there are different ways of, of using the tea. 
there's you can drink it during your feasting window and your fasting window, right? So for a lot of people, and, and there are benefits for both, a lot of people think, oh, you know, I can only drink it during my fasting window, and that's the only way I'll benefit. It's actually not the case. Um, even if you're eating during your feasting window um, and drinking tea, you will still reap the benefits um, of the kind of digestion support, the metabolic support, um, and so forth. Uh, thermogenesis is something Dr. Kung talks about a lot. Of course, at the same time, you can drink it in your fasting window. Now, some people actually are sensitive to the compounds in tea, be it the tannins or the caffeine, and don't take well to um, drinking it on an empty stomach. And, uh, and you know, I think that this is probably in the small minority of, of users. Um, and certainly we have a whole range of different teas that are herbal, that are part herbal, part tea, um, or that are 100% full tea. Uh, for these different kind of um, usages, right? And so we have the black tea, which is you know blended with bergamot, which we recommend for the for the mornings. We have a green tea um, that is blended with matcha, um, that's fantastic for the afternoons. Um, and then we have an herbal tea for kind of all of the windows in between. Yeah. And so people have really enjoyed the process because it provides them with a with the, the satiety and also this freedom of choice. It's like, I think when you're doing a fast, one of the most dreadful things um, for, for people that gives them the most anxiety is like, oh, I just have to sit there and, and drink water. Um, it's, it's something that's very daunting. Um, but when you have a number of different, you know, different flavored kind of beneficial hydrate, hydrating options to choose from, um, it really goes very far in breaking up the fast. I agree. It does make a tremendous difference. I've noticed that myself and I've experimented with both. I test pretty regularly, especially if I'm on a longer water fast, um, things like ketones and glucose, and then even more traditional labs just to monitor all of that. And I do definitely notice a difference with things like tea and, and the monotony alone. This episode is sponsored by Upspring Baby, a company making innovative science-backed products for moms and babies. And I want to tell you about one of their products in particular, because even though I'm not even currently pregnant or have teeny babies, it's been really helpful to me. I really like their stomach settle nausea relief drops, which are great for any kind of stomach upset from motion sickness, which I get and a couple of my daughters get, to morning sickness, which I thankfully do not have right now because I'm not pregnant, but any kind of bloating or digestive upset at all. I love to keep these on hand and my kids like them too. They help relieve nausea, motion sickness, gas, bloating, and any kind of digestive upset. In fact, I keep these in my car in my kind of like emergency kit in each of my cars and also in my purse just to have on hand because tummy aches can be a thing when out and on the go. Their lemon ginger honey flavored stomach settled drops contain not just one, but three natural remedies for digestive upset, ginger, spearmint, and lemon. Plus they contain vitamin B6 to help relieve occasional nausea, motion sickness, gas, and bloating. Their ingredients are micronized, meaning that they provide faster act acting relief and they've been really helpful, like I said, especially for motion sickness. They're in individually wrapped, so they're great for on the go. And I was able to negotiate a discount just for you. You can check this out at upspringbaby.com forward slash pages forward slash wellness mama. And the code wellness10 saves you 10%. So that's U P S P R I N G B A B Y.com forward slash pages forward slash wellness mama, all one word. And use the code wellness, all lowercase, wellness10 to save 10%. This podcast is sponsored by Jigsaw Health my source for magnesium. 
You probably know if you've read my blog that magnesium is responsible for over 300 biochemical reactions in the body. It impacts blood pressure, metabolism, immune function, and many other aspects of health, including hormones. It's known as the master mineral, and it's one of the few supplements I take regularly. And I have found a specific way to take it that works best for me in very specific forms because magnesium is taken in the wrong way. It can lead to digestive upset, or if it's taken too quickly, it can cause all kinds of problems. So I take two supplements, one called Mag SRT, which is a slow release form of dimagnesium malate. The slow release technology makes it easier on the digestive system, so I don't get any of the digestive disturbance that comes with some forms of magnesium. I take this form in the morning and at lunch, so two capsules with breakfast, two capsules with lunch, and at night I take a different product called Mag Soothe, which is magnesium glycinate, which is magnesium bound with the amino acid glycine to help sleep. And in combination, I notice the biggest effect from those two particular products. You can check them both out and save by going to jigsawhealth.com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness10 will give you $10 off any order. So again, that's J-I-G-S-A-W health.com, jigsawhealth.com forward slash wellness mama, all one word and the code wellness10, all lowercase, gives you $10 off. Another question, especially with the audience listening, many of them are parents and many moms, of course, and I get a lot of questions related to tea and if it's safe to consume during periods of pregnancy and breastfeeding. So there, there are many different um, approaches to this, and I, I can't say that one is, is, is you know, correct and, and another is wrong. And certainly, I think that, you know, in, in this case, it's, it's certainly advisable to, to consult, a, you know, a health expert or a doctor. Um, so that they can give specific um, health advice to to the, the situation of, of the individual. It's, it's a, that's a hard one. I've, I've certainly met people who, who do consume tea, and I've met plenty of people who don't during pregnancy. Gotcha. I think, yeah, that's always sage advice for anyone with a medical condition or especially anyone growing a new human is definitely talk to your doctor and see. I can say from experience, my doctor told me that like caffeine to a certain level was okay, so I did consume green tea during several of my pregnancies um, and certain herbal teas, but definitely echo your advice on talk to your doctor and make sure you're, there's no other concerns that you aren't aware of for your specific uh, instance. Um, and I'd love to switch gears a little bit and talk about an idea of, um, and I know that you've talked about this and written about this a little bit, but not just lifespan, but health span, because we started this episode talking about areas where people live longer. And in the health community, there's been more and more buzz about not just increasing how long we live, but increasing how long we live in a healthy way. And for people like you, I'm assuming those actually are one and the same, but I'd love to go deeper just specifically on the idea of health span and other factors that you can think can come into play to increase our how long we're living in a healthy way. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, my grandfather actually turns 105. Um, he'll turn 106 this December. And so he's really been kind of a, you know, example of longevity and kind of, you know, to very healthy, of course. He, he, um, he plays bridge and mahjong every day still for about six hours. Uh, but he's always been a, a great example to me of the, the meaning of, 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 you know, living long and, and living healthily. Uh, I, I think this ties very much into what I mentioned at the beginning about Hong Kong being being ranked amongst the highest in, in, in countries or in places with with life for, for life expectancy. And 
you know, for, for, you know, not wanting to sound like a broken record here, but it really, really goes back to the, to the concept of consciousness and awareness. So something my grandfather always told me is that, you know, he, and this is something a, a very wise kind of Austrian friend told him, he was a mountaineer. He said that, you know, I always regard my health as like a bank balance. You never want to draw it to zero. You certainly never want to draw it to negative. And every, every kind of dollar or every penny that you put in there is going to increase your overall health and your overall wellness and longevity. And you're in this constant effort to increase that balance, right, and not deplete it. So you always want to keep building it up and make it higher. Uh, and I think that philosophically is very different than how a lot of people in this day and age understand health. I mean, just looking at what's going on today with the coronavirus, there, there are so many people around me that are in my age group or in my organization, friends, um, that have this idea that coronavirus is not going to kill them. Um, it's going to be bad for a couple of days and then they're going to recover and everything will be fine. Um, but that's really, you know, in opposition to the concept of living well for a long period, right? If you just want to live well, then certainly by all means, um, you know, one should kind of live life to the to the fullest, right? The whole YOLO and do whatever they like and not be restrained by self-quarantine or limiting travel or not going to conferences or, or being, you know, washing hands and all that stuff. Nobody wants to do that. Um, in fact, you know, traveling right now is as cheap as it could possibly be. Um, so why not travel the world, right? But the idea with the kind of more Eastern approach to, to health um, and certainly one that my grandfather adopted is that all of these things go to taking away the health credits that you have, right? So every time you get a flu, every time you have a invasive procedure done, every time, you know, you're, you've taken something or, or other um, that, you know, for, for some, some issue um, that you've had, there is something that's taken away from your overall kind of, you know, bank balance of, of kind of wellness credits, right? And so I think this is really kind of key and, and something that's always in practice in, in Hong Kong and, and is certainly the case for, for Taiwan and Japan and Korea and in a lot of the Eastern, um, you know, cultures is this concept of constantly balancing, right? So this is rebalancing even when you don't feel like there's something wrong. It's basically the, the, the principle of prevention, right? So how prevention is basically about accumulating these health credits. And, and avoiding sickness, avoiding the, the feeling of symptoms, right? By the time you're symptomatic, you've already gotten sick. And if you avoid the symptoms for long enough, then things become chronic and, and, and so on. Um, and so it's really about kind of the rebalancing and you can do that by having a higher level of consciousness and awareness to how your body feels. If you wake up exhausted, then something is not right, right? If you've slept poorly for a couple of days in a row, you've been affected, something is not right. Um, if you're feeling some sort of, you know, discomfort in your body, you know, pay attention to that, right? And, and see what we can do to, to address that and, and make it go away. That's the idea. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really important perspective, especially at times like this, um, when things are as they currently are. And yeah, I think, I think that's a, a perfect place to actually springboard into another question that I love to ask, which relates to mindset and uh, learning and lifelong health, which is if there's a book or a number of books that have really dramatically impacted your life, and if so, what they are and why. Yeah, absolutely. 
This is a tough question, Katie, because <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of favorite books um, and certainly my, my favorite book will change from time to time. Um, but I guess the, 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 the books that I tend to go back to the most are ones that are philosophical in nature or, or kind of you know spiritual in nature. And the one that I tend to constantly carry with me and read time and time again is a book I discovered when I was in my in high school when I was in my mid-teens. Um, and it's the it's the Tao Te Ching. So it's a Taoist text. Um, many of you may have heard of it. It's basically the concept of Taoism was was created in this book of yin and yang. Um, the entire kind of system of, of traditional Chinese medicine of um, of qigong practice of, of all of this different energy work and, and using plants to heal body from the Eastern perspective is, is based on this book. So, you know, it's rich in kind of philosophical, you know, wisdom, as well as very kind of practical, you know, wellness, health-based, physical sort of practices. In fact, Tai Chi is based on this book. Um, the Art of War is based on this book. I would say that, you know, a, a, the, the better half of Chinese civilization is based on this book. That's fascinating. And a new recommendation, I'll make sure we link that in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm so you guys can grab it if you'd like. Um, Simon, any parting advice you would like to leave in the ears of our listeners today? Yeah, I mean, really just the concept that everything you need is already inside. Uh, but, uh, you know, developing consciousness in, in, in all things, starting with the easiest first, um, you know, the five senses that we're constantly using day in, day out is a great way to start kind of you know, examining what, what are some of the toxins, what are some of the noise that you can um, remove from your from your life. I love it. And then lastly, I know we will have links in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm so you guys can find all of the teas and everything we've mentioned there, along with, uh, I believe, a special code just for you guys from Peak Tea. But Simon, where can people stay in touch and keep in touch with you and learn more? Yeah, definitely through um, peaktea.com or our Instagram account. Um, this is, you know, by far the best way. I, I frequently interact with um, all of our, our customers. They're all able to reach me through our email. Um, I, I read and respond to them directly. And uh, I also lead a mindfulness um, challenge, um, which will be coming up in July, where I actually personally will, will be leading a, a breathwork, a medicinal breathwork um, system in class. So love to interact with all of you. We also have a Facebook group called the Healer Circle, which I welcome everyone to join. Wonderful. And you guys can find all of that in the show notes again at wellnesswama.fm so that you can uh, find those links and stay in touch. Simon, thank you again for your time today and for all the work that you do in creating such high quality products. Thank you so much, Katie. It's been a huge pleasure. And thanks to all of you as always for listening and sharing your valuable resource, your time with both of us today. We're so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.